1: Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken Nugget burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk. And that is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King.
2: Woo! Right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a very special Royal Blue podcast. Because this week we've gone transatlantic from Old Hall Street. We've got a taste of LA in California. We're joined by EvertonUSA.net, Marshall Lamb and Dave Kurtz. and we're very grateful to have them over here. Um, they've come over on unofficial business, really. It's not an official trip, but um, both of them have found time in their busy schedules to come uh, make the flight over, uh, attended David France's spe- very special dinner at the Anglican Cathedral last night. They're going to get, uh, under the Friday night lights, Goodison to watch us hopefully be Palace tomorrow evening. And um, generally, to quote Marshall, relax, enjoy, watch Everton, drink some beer. So I couldn't think of a better way to do it, really, Marshall. <laughs> Um, thanks very much for coming and just tell us if I haven't mentioned the details a little bit more about why you've come over this
1: sure thanks for having us Uh, this is the sixth time I've been in Liverpool to now see Everton play and you know I'll walk here it's the easiest journey to make and you know we've been supporting the club for many years now and you know the American history the legacy of American players has really attracted us and uh, tons of Americans watching the matches on TV in the morning. Breakfast with Everton, yeah. and uh, Everton USA is the national supporters club network in the in the states. Over a hundred groups, uh, forty thousand people. We'd like to say you know really support the club in the states, and uh, we're happy to be here. It's another, it's another full
2: Goodison over in the US, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Dave, I liked what you just said to us before we started recording about what was it? ESPN say?
3: Yeah, ESPN calls uh, regularly calls Everton America's team, and. Uh, you know we're happy to uh to support Everton and bring lots of folks into the fold and coming over here is really an ultimate pil- pilgrimage for all of us we all really look forward to uh any opportunity we can get to get over here and keep in mind it costs about 3 season tickets to come to one game <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's always worth it and uh we we've actually had a lot of people who came who've traveled with us, us us over to Liverpool who had never had a passport before you know didn't didn't uh didn't book their trip to go yeah. see, go to London and see wow. the Elgin Marbles, or go to uh, Paris and see the Eiffel Tower. It was to come to Liverpool to see Everton, <laughs> and uh, and you know it's great coming here. Um, you know, A lot of Americans come to London and do the tourist thing. Um, once you get outside and you come to Liverpool and you really en- yeah. you embrace the culture, and yeah. especially the Everton culture, like we had last night with uh, Doctor France. Um, Truly unbelievable, and uh, we now have family here. You know, we know we come to town. We know cl- a couple hundred people actually, yeah. and uh, come see our friends, tr- drink some beer, and see some football.
2: Of course, Doctor France is based over the United
1: States, isn't he, Marshall? He is, yeah. and uh, we're helping helping him to uh, promote and sell some of his new book, the, uh, Everton Crazy, and uh, we're more than happy to do it to, uh, for him. Uh, Americans now have an insatiable appetite for not only the history of Everton, but the history of you know football in England and really trying to explore more about the game and really latch on to different elements of the history and the lifestyle and the culture. And a book like his really explains it in a way that you know, mm-hmm. makes you kind of you know, flabbergasted that someone is so dedicated mm-hmm. that you know, as an American supporter, your dedication has to really increase quickly <laughs> to ever try and mirror some of the other support that uh, these clubs have, and yeah. Everton specifically. So you know, in, in, with Everton USA, you know, the club has been so supportive of us uh, we're a commercial partner with Everton, and we sell match day tickets directly to U.S. supporters, and two times a year we come over. Um, we've met with, uh, with Mr. O'Keefe here uh, <laughs> uh, before in San Francisco in 2013 when Everton played there uh, on that U.S. tour the last time they, they were there. And, um, you know, they've been so – so each couple times a year we bring probably 30 or 40 Americans over for their first time, as Dave mentioned, uh, they have to get their passport. But we go take a tour of Goodison Park and Finch Farm and maybe go to a Spirit of the 80s event or mm. something along those lines. But the club has embraced what we're doing and it's very, very supportive. And uh, they're really the only club that's that's really figured out the best way to market to Americans and, and grow the, the, the supporter network and the amount of uh, people watching the games. They've done a great job.
2: I was on holiday over in, uh, as I was explained to you last night, over in New England recently. And one thing I noticed about going to like, Patriot Place and... and seen a bit about how the NFL and, and the NBA do things as well for the, the Celtics was they've got marketing spot on they've got it down to a T with you know, trail, um, trailer events where, or yeah, tailgates. tailgates that's what I was after yeah. Yeah. And, and, and essentially um, the way they get fans to come and spend all day pretty much in and around the stadium spending money generating an atmosphere they know what they're doing don't they yeah. have you noticed while you've been supporting Everton that that's getting better that
3: it is, but I think the Global football in general has really changed I and mean, basically the business model of football has changed yeah um, for a hundred years it was show up at the at the gate pay for your ticket walk in <laughs> that was the business model and you know everton's marketing is about 30 miles around Liverpool yeah. and all of a sudden you're on TV to half a million people every weekend sure. in the United States and how does a team in northeast England really connect over in the US and Everton was smart by deputizing guys like us who are fans to help spread the love. Um, But there's a whole commercial wave. Um, I think in the United States, it's popular now, but keep in mind, you get broadcast at 7 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast, 10 o'clock on the East Coast. The early games are 4.45 in the morning. And there are guys like us who go to pub at 4 (laughs) o'clock in the morning. They open for us. We pay the guy to open the place. And we have a great time, but my, I have a seven-year-old son, okay. and he and his friends on Saturday mornings, instead of watching cartoons, watch the Premier League. So this is the initial wave where 600,000 people per, uh, per match are watching in the United States in the Premier League. The next wave of my son's friends who grew up watching the Premier League every Saturday morning, they can't watch the games in the NBA that are 7.30 at night because okay. they go to bed, they're seven years old. <laughs> but 7 o'clock in the morning, it took over cartoons... The same network that had cartoons now has Premier League in every it. game. So his friends at school wear Kobe Bryant jerseys, but they also wear Lukaku jerseys. Yeah. They also wear, I mean, I caught a kid wearing Doncaster Rovers away. No. and I was yeah. like, how'd you get that? He's like, they're into, you know, there's a hipness, and there's also a, you know, part of the reason why I'm a fan is I love traveling around the world, sure. seeing each culture through their football stadium, to be perfectly honest.
2: Well, I've explained to Tony, but we was just talking about my, my trip, and I was saying to him, what really impressed and, and uh, surprised me was you're driving around the amount of soccer goals, that there are mm-hmm. pitches everywhere, facilities, yeah. brilliant. Actually, I looked on it and at some of the amateur facilities Tony and I play on a Sunday league just for our local team. We played for years and some of the pitches we rock up at on a Sunday morning have uh, seen better days, <laughs> yeah. haven't they? But I've seen these young lads, you know, younger than me and Tony, but playing on these tremendous pitches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that Heineken advert before, because I watched Everton against uh, Sunderland while I was over in the States, and there was that Heineken advert where it was just sort of saying uh, America's arrived now, you know, I don't know if he's oh, caught sure. before, before the game, yeah. you know, um, we weren't sure at first, but now it's taken soccer, football to its bosom, and, and it's only going one way, isn't it? Yeah, and it's even bigger
3: because it's actually one of the few sports that attracts both genders, mm. so women's football is even the women's national team in the United States are even bigger celebrities than the men's national team. Okay. The largest aud- broadcast audience ever in the United States for a football match was the women's World Cup final, not even the match that Tim Howard had in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So it, it actually has even even bigger audience than, or, or potential than most because it's actually not gender specific. Mm-hmm. It's not like
1: 75-25. It's really pretty 50-50. And every kid in America plays. Growing up, I played all the way through high school. But every kid, boy and girl, plays soccer. There's never really a professional trajectory Mm. you could go on. But the trajectory now is you can see your heroes on TV. You actually have heroes. You actually have teams that you look up to and you follow, and you can learn about it, and you can have the analysis, the pundits, all the commentary around the game and all the highlights in the Premier League review show. So there's, there's so much information that people can now use to become a better fan. As they get older and go through life. No, sorry. No, interestingly, you you guys will know. No, compared
2: to other football clubs in England, how big are Everton over there? Everton are
3: are, well. Everton's the only one who's organized, so we like to say it's absolutely the biggest. But that's not true. Um, Yeah, they're far. They're definitely more Manchester United fans. But that may be a mix of really casual fans who have access to the shirt. And, yeah. you know I saw him a couple times I mean one of the wonderful things about working with Everton is there's no half-assed Everton fans as yes, we say right? <laughs> like there's nobody say hey you're wearing the kit you know who you, you see the game last weekend everybody knows the score yeah. and everybody knows who's, who we're playing next weekend yeah. you meet Manchester United fans in America you, you never know yeah, they um, played. <laughs> same same with Liverpool um, and uh, but yeah no I mean Everton you got to keep in mind we most fans are, built, are become fans because of their geography. I'm a New York Yankee fan because I grew up in New York. I'm a New York Jets fan. I'm a L.A. Clippers fan because I live in L.A. Um, when we choose a Premier League team, we have no problem with geography. Mm-hmm. It's like you choosing NFL teams, right? You're like, I meet dudes who are Jacksonville Jaguar fans. There aren't even Jacksonville Jaguar fans in Jacksonville.
2: <laughs> and, uh, Playing in London, but, but uh, sure uh, yeah, and we also
3: don't necessarily know the history. So when you say that ever, I mean to say that Everton or even Bournemouth is, uh, or Bournemouth or Leicester is a small side that doesn't yeah. mean anything to us, right? Like, yeah. like they're on the same two hours that Manchester United is every week. They're in yeah. the same you know the, uh, preview afterwards, and um, you know going back to the marketing stuff. This summer, we helped out Leicester, because we're one of the few people that they know at the Premier League, yeah. to call, yeah. um, put together an event with Will Ferrell and uh, <laughs> Chris Paul. It was, uh, they're playing with the LAFC, which is a new MLS side that doesn't have any players. Right. It's, they've paid $110 million to become a franchise. They have uh, 25 under-12 players, are the only <laughs> players in the team. They make hats, they make scarves. They have... A, they they just broke ground on their venue, which will be beautiful in downtown, and the uh, you know have a massive commercial deal already for the naming rights of that stadium that eclipses anything that that Liverpool or Everton could ever get, hundred million dollars. Um, they don't they are a football club in your mind only, right? It's They right? brought down this. They're doing this with Leicester City. Leicester City brings the Premier League trophy. Uh, Shinji Okazawa, uh, Okazaki. Um, their their whole marketing team of 5 people. Leicester, LAFC no players brings their marketing team of 30 people. <laughs> <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> one has the Premier League. Trophy. <laughs> yeah. One has doesn't have a player in or their system <laughs> at all. Yeah. So that's the difference between how America approaches football. So
0: and I was I was going to say cuz the is that a danger to the growth of the Premier League than the growth of American supported teams? Oh, can you live by shot, by shot? No, look, America, we get everything,
3: right? We have five major sports leagues that are all beautifully done, right? Mm -hmm. And and believe it or not, the Premier League is outrating Major League Baseball right now, Mm -hmm. and it's outrating uh, hockey. Mm -hmm. Hockey playoff Mm -hmm. games... In certain markets in the country. Hockey Mm -hmm. playoff games don't get the same amount of viewers as the average Premier League game on the weekend. so, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. The ML, if you look at U.S. soccer, is all of us. We yeah. all support the national team. We're Americans. They're fans of MLS. MLS makes does one-fifth of the ratings. 100,000 people on average watch an MLS game on television. They sell gr- a great amount of tickets. League of Mexico, huge, even bigger than MLS. Really, but Premier League is oh, even bigger. Yeah. Bundesliga just got a deal similar to the Premier League. Oh, Red right about that. Yeah, yeah. and so you're starting to see. I mean, it started out very low, but now it's starting to pick up, and people are picking up Bundesliga fans. Yeah,
0: teams. it's it's interesting. Cause The other thing as well, which I'd like to ask, is there's been talk for, for what, ten years or more about playing like a Premier League game abroad and you know, places like America and China. Mm-hmm. What's the appetite over in America to actually physically watch a Premier League game or Premier League games? When Everton came over and and Dave and I have
1: travelled with other teams around America, people will fly over from England or France or Germany for those games and they'll Mm. go to each city. But in each city there are supporters groups for that club, so they'll come out and have a tailgate or they'll meet up at a bar beforehand and... Hang out, and the, you know, legendary players will come down and sign autographs. So there's been, yeah. there's now kind of a uh, an industry built up around the teams coming to America. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about Americans is, I can be a, a supporter of two Premier League teams, uh, league on team, a Bundesliga team. I could, you know, have a, two MLS teams. So yeah. it's it's not that it, 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 that you're one team and one team only, which I think it makes it more healthy that you have so many more fans. Uh, that it will support the game, the match, the event, or the, you know, the Rose Bowl or something, that they just want to come out and see football. But no, there would be a great appetite to have a real game. We do these yeah.
3: preseason games. Uh, oh. yeah. Liverpool, Chelsea was at the Rose Bowl. They sold 50,000 seats this summer. Jurgen Klopp brought out the C team, the D team. <laughs> you know, it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't the A team. Um, And there was a lot of rumbling about that, but people still come out because it's your once-in-one-time chance. And people fly from all over the country Mm -hmm. because there's the opportunity. Um, And those teams don't offer tickets like Everton does to their fans, so they can't go see them when they come to London. Like, they fly over and they either got to break out a 1,000 pounds or they got to go watch it in the pub, even though they're... In London, which is sort of a travesty. <laughs> Some,
2: something really interests me when you said before about the Everton timeline for you, and everyone's Everton timeline is unique to themselves, mm-hmm. isn't it? whether it's not literally from cra- the cradle to the grave or it's from seeing the light at the age of eight or 12, and it, it's all different, it depends on the individual. But you said this sort of Everton US timeline kind of starts with Prey, and I'd yeah. like to know about both of you and your own. Everton timelines. I mean, when did when did you see the, see oh, the royal sure. blue lights shine?
3: Absolutely, I'm a really unique fan, in that I've actually passed it up to my father and down to my sons. So <laughs> uh, and I've even, my father's been to Liverpool a couple times. Like it's a, now a father son trip. Um, but no, I I got it. I, my, my college roommate was a soccer player at Cornell University, and he uh, and he was a massive Arsenal fan. And I started to watch Premier League with him when. The NFL, when you attend, the NFL is an unbelievably commercialized television broadcast. So, in about 2,000, yeah. I realized yeah. that you know all American men sort of lose all of Sunday, and eventually you have a girlfriend. Four who says, hours, isn't it? You you know, know, it's, just, but it's, it's the, the whole day. It's yeah. the whole day, and eventually you have a girlfriend who's like, "I like to do stuff on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to break up with you." <laughs> then you start to think, "Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be so dedicated to watching the two random games in the evening." Um so I started watching a lot more Premier League and it was also the time where we started to get it on cable television okay. um in a serious way and um it, it was there's definitely a moment it was I sat on a couch with my friend and watched Everton beat Arsenal in 2003 2004 beating the Invincibles, and I on, bought, I'm watching. I'm watching Rooney and Duncan Ferguson, and I'm like, "This is the greatest big brother little brother combo ever." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ordered a kit, Cajon. It took eight months. I had to pay. <laughs> 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 I had to pay customs. I'm calling Kit Bag, I'm yelling at him because I'm an American.
2: Yeah. And uh,
3: and you know, the minute that came, I was an Evertonian, and then I connected with um, a great guy named Mark Davies and the. the Chicago Evertonians are are a strong group this is before Facebook and any of that so it's on you know CompuServe (laughs) listserv and we're passing information back and forth and frankly passing around articles from the Echo to each other Mm -hmm. because it wasn't really broadcast in the right way then Um, and you know slowly I actually built a real family of Evertonians around the country I've met some really interesting people everywhere I go there's an Everton bar that I stop in and say hello and uh, and I feel like I'm home. They literally are like, Norm <laughs> it's like cheers.
2: It's the Banshee in so, Boston They're never gonna
3: give, give a that, shout out to that That's the family affair. And you know, we saw that last night with everybody around. But um but back to your history. We we were asked with how do you turn Everton into being popular in the United States and you say Dixie Dean and no one knows who you're talking yeah. about. You say the Holy Trinity, no one knows who you're of talking course, yeah, about. Yeah. But believe it or not, you say Precky, and they go, ah, sure, Precky, or, you know, Joe Max Moore, who's the coolest guy ever. And um, so we, you know, Marshall and I actually both come from a rock and roll background, and they always say in rock and roll marketing, if you can't make one image that connects the band to the fans, you haven't done it right. So we said there's one image, and that's, you know, America's team, like the Cowboys, and... These five players, and so we tell an alternative Everton history that starts with, that follows these five players, all of whom were national team members at different times, so they really have followed right through. Um, And frankly, uh, Ramiro Funes Mori, age 12 to 17, lived in the Mm -hmm. United States, played high school in Texas. Mm -hmm. Marshall, originally Mm -hmm. Texan. Mm -hmm. So um, that story actually really resonated with American fans, like, why, why should I be this fan? And every year... The US sports press writes a big thing that says, which team you should support for the Premier League? And believe it or not, there are a lot of people who just follow the Premier League that mm. haven't chosen the team, follow, just it. follow it. We mm-hmm. find that college kids especially have yet to choose something to really follow. Um, and so we, we had to give sort of the hook. What was the hook, right? Like what makes this super cool? And you know, this was a Tim Howard is a legend, maybe one of the best top certainly one of the top five players we have ever put out into world football, Landon Donovan, top five players, and we actually activated them. So we sent them, you know, a scarf and a a kit with the Everton USA symbol on it. And invited them out to the pub and they started coming. So Joe Max Moore goes in San Diego. Landon has a you know he just had a baby. We sent over the kid, the Everton USA stuff. And those tweets and, and whatnot actually brought them into this community we created. And, you know, they've become fantastic ambassadors. Tim Howard, his first game in Colorado, you got to look behind him in the goal. There are 100 guys with half scarves that say Everton and Colorado Rapids, and they just cheered Tim Howard the entire time, and he came over and signed everything. Landon used to, I, I live in L.A., every Galaxy match when he saw an Everton kit in the stand would come over and sign it. It was great. So those guys really, uh, they felt the Everton... The specialness around Everton, they may have gone on, but the fact that Everton actually reached out to them later in life and said, you're one of us, yeah. really brought them back. So, you know, again, it's that whole people's club thing that really is, exists. You know, they, they do the right thing. Absolutely. And uh, even though these are small things that some clubs might get overlooked, um, you know, i got to hand it to everyone in the top upper echelon of the Everton uh, executive box because they, you know,
2: that, that's one thing they do
3: great.
0: Can I just ask Marshall yep.
2: how important we've just touched on and
1: Zonovan and Tim Howard's markets and wise, how important were them two figures for Everton over in the USA? Very, very important, especially the timing of it all. Yeah. Because the Premier League was now on TV, you could see Tim play regularly. Landed on loan for the first time was huge. The second time, I think, was even bigger yeah. because everyone thought he was going to stay. Yeah. And he scored goals, and people really latched on to yeah. that. And he did so right by the people in Liverpool and the Everton support that he didn't do something stupid. Yeah. He didn't get caught in a club. He didn't wreck his car. He scored goals, and he was a, he was a gentleman. And I think that really you know, kind of I think made it safe for people to think it's okay to have American support. Again, because now it's so much more widespread, and the attention that he uh, received. And plus, you know, in the last three seasons, the Premier League has been so exciting, you know, with Leicester City and Everton, you know, being in, in, a, you know, in fifth and then in 11th, and in the, in the roller coaster of it. I think it's been a really perfect timing for people in America to latch onto Everton and really ride the roller coaster and understand what it's all about. Because it's because you get relegated, you get promoted. In America, that concept is still something people are really starting to understand. That, you know, you, you picked a team, and you got to ride with that team. And, and fortunately, Everton has had, had players that have kept them up. I <coughs> kept them up but have played very, very well and have really pushed the envelope for the club in the league. And you can say an American did that. And I think there's pride there, that people can say that I didn't – pick Hull when Josie Altador was there, because now I'm with Hull forever. Yeah. But now that there's a remnants of these players that the club has really uh uh, you know, embraced, and when we come to Liverpool, people are like, Oh, yeah, Landon Donovan. When I met him in yeah. some pub, he was such a great guy. And if he's anything like you guys, you're welcome, in that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that. So they kind of rolled out the red carpet for the American support. And so it's been very, very important because it's kind of like you know, when you go to a party and you know one guy, and he yeah, happens definitely. to be that guy who everybody then knows. knows yeah. yeah, so you have a it's like kind of the spider web of, of influence that those two guys have had. Apart from stating the obvious winning a choice. T- Mm. what would Everton need to do
2: to make it bigger than America? Come
3: play yeah, come every play year. Yeah.
2: Come a- come every season. Every season. I
3: appreciate trying to get the Austrian audience, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> is it too much to ask? That you hop on a plane and come to California so for a couple weeks. Is that basically <laughs> Just to play
2: preseason games, they'll make it
3: bigger. It just doesn't. It just doesn't matter. I mean, just having more presence. We're going to do a Las Vegas convention for uh, in January, where we're going to bring over a couple of the. Uh, you know, again, talking about guys. You know, guys, 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 guys yeah. 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 Someone needs to cover a, that on the echo. Yeah. Yeah. The podcast was, from the planet. Oh, all, all
2: right then. <laughs> it's supposed well, to be um, part yeah.
3: of part of part of the appeal of the Premier League is that it's uniquely um, British. The, yeah. the television product is unbelievable, right? Because we watch all sports. The NFL on TV is beautiful, right? Millions of dollars put in production. It's so slow. But when you watch <laughs> the pretty images of the Premier League and then you hear. The away crowd, and you hear the crowd chanting. That's something that's completely different. So that's yeah. why when a seven-year-old turns it on, he's like, "Wow!" Yeah. So if you actually look at that TV, just that TV show is just a TV show product. It's so perfect, and it really pulls you into the, uh, turns you into it's an like Anglophile it. sort of right mm-hmm. away. And so, th- being sort of uniquely British. Which, look, I don't understand, if you, you get one to get in the Premier League and you start rooting for Arsenal, it feels like a French team. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, yeah. you want to start yeah, rooting for... Yeah. Manchester City doesn't feel so... I mean, I know they're more uniquely British, but Manchester United feels like a global team. Yeah. Everton is a uniquely British team, and, you, yeah. you know, I wear a Dixie Dean kit or a shirt around, and people are like, who is that weird-looking old man? <laughs> and you're like, you know, there, there's more to find, there's more to dig through, and once you can hook them in a little bit, even if it's just around Tim Howard, people get engaged wow. with the with the uh, with the team, and you know, and yes, and a lot of it is Anglophiles like us, man. We we come over here, we go to games, we come home with loads of Cadbury, <laughs> <laughs> and like drive-off box man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's way so more nice. fun than going to Chicago for the weekend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, one thing that was really cool is this year when when Everton under seventeens won the Dallas Cup. And we brought so many Everton USA supporters to the matches in Dallas. And Kevin Sheedy last night said, we think that's what made us you know, win the trophy. Because we had people out there screaming and yelling and singing and, yeah. and really making the team feel welcome. And they were beating teams that had no fans. Maybe the coach and the assistant coach. Yeah. But, but that's something that when, when Everton travels, there's support wherever they go. It could be the Everton ladies. It could be any of the other yeah. uh, teams. So it, as much as the we first... Did, team coming, but to make Everton come and do a road show in Vegas or in New York and, you know, and have legendary players come out and and enjoy Royal come out and really talk about it and have some videos playing, you know, almost like, you know, a a road show of of information. We were in Los
3: Angeles with you. Um, We sold more tickets than the Real Madrid fan club did. And we had a a whole pub filled with blues reserved all day long. I remember. And, uh... Yeah, and at the end of the, at the end of the evening, when there was a whole handful of us, the, randomly the tab got picked up by Robert Earl, who lives who was the owner then and lived in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, if you're an Everton fan, how much better does it get than that? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I came to Los yeah. Angeles, everyone was together, it felt like I was mm-hmm. at the Royal Oak, I was actually <laughs> on
2: Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have to say, I was blown away, really. I, I didn't really know what to expect, I knew that we had a growing fan base, but, Saying that was only three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, to see the size of it, it was very, very impressive. And I can only get excited at the prospect of it growing. But just before we move on to more general, t- I don't want no. to get away with when did you jump on the roller coaster? What was your kind of personal conversion?
1: Well, you know, I'd, uh, I'd known about the club for a long time and, and, you know, played soccer my whole entire life. And, um, you know, saw that Dave and I came over here in 2009, the first time I saw Everton play at and I was hooked. We had, you know, Breakfast in the Dixie Dean room, yeah. saw the club play, and then saw them play the MLS All Star game in Park City, Utah, in Sandy, Utah in 2011. And so, you know, just been as much as possible seeing them play and, and just been a supporter ever since. I think that's, I, I do hope, and if anyone
2: at Evans listening, I really yeah. hope they do turn the focus back towards preseason at America. I, I know preseason planning is, is particularly fraught, and more often than not, there's a million different sort of commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, Priorities pulling them in different ways, and we've had the odd you know mix up. There was the Indonesia tour that never got off the ground, but every time they've gone to America, it's worked. Certainly, David Moyes loved it. I mm-hmm. think the facilities and the way they were treated over there, customer service, everything ticked David Moyes' box. Martinez loved it that first season. Don't speak about the subsequent <laughs> ones. I don't think Singapore was great, but I think Everton got offered a fair bit of money to go and play yeah. in, the, in the Asia Cup trophy. But you know, let's hope Kumin is proper. First pre season next summer, yeah. let it be does look to the United
0: States. Yeah, it's a good because I remember Moi's saying that I think we finished fourth and when we finished fourth in the Champions League places in 04-05. I think he said he does had a bad season the year before, and I think he said he went to America, didn't he? During the summer, he said that was a really important sort of um launch pad for the season. He said that was a real good bonding session for the players. I think they, they played in Houston, was it? I think. That's that's right, Houston. Yeah. Yeah. And he said that really was a really good basis for, for what Everton did that year and I think he went back a few times after that. Uh didn't they go back in the winter winter break once? I think they went even I think they went over um who else can well, we yeah. Ask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. the Schwab yeah, <laughs> I, think, uh, yeah no, I mean I know I was just thinking that there is it is true sure that you know he played. Evan Everton played in America they played in the fifties mm-hmm. in America. They played in the New York tournaments in, in 60, 61. So they had played in America up and t- before the, the modern era, you know. Um, so, but I think Moyes said the 2004 one was an enormously big uh, yeah. beneficial trip for the club.
2: Full enough, the okay. so just the 2013 tour had been arranged by Moyes prior to his departure, because
0: yeah.
2: I think he was he was minded that his, his reign has, was coming towards an end and he wanted set a fresh challenge, but Kenny Moyes' his brother and the agent had already yeah. uh, sent the feelers out to the mm-hmm. International Champions Trophy, which Everton were the, the inaugural they, trophy. That was they the first time to, they did that. Yeah, right? And, yeah. you know, I really hope that they can get back onto that Definitely. because it's grown as a trophy itself, hasn't it? Now it's spread into different parts of the world. It but has. America we, does it best, at, I think.
3: You know what? I actually think there are now a whole bunch of other opportunities, or, or there are now more opportunities than just going for that event. And that event is actually a very difficult thing because it's in front of – it's played all over the country, so you fly into, like, California, but you fly to Ohio, and in and out. I think the teams have a hard time. At Everton, in Los Angeles, they the promoter didn't give them a practice pitch. So they sat in the Ritz-Carlton uh, all day long hanging out with Matt Damon. Not so bad. <laughs> um, I think they were fine with that. But, you know, we we saw that in America this summer, uh, Crystal Palace came and played a th- what was a third-division American team who was having its eighth home match. Nice. They sell about a thousand tickets a game, this FC Cincinnati at that point. They sold 35,000 tickets to FC Cincinnati versus Crystal Palace because the city said, We wanted this club. This is the big match against someone real that we always wanted. I mean, these are players that get paid $250. They're right out of college a game. And they're playing Crystal Palace. They broke out the red carpet, every subway, every bus had Crystal Palace, FC Cincinnati on the side, and it was the soccer story of the summer. Crystal Palace. I mean and Crystal Palace played it very well. They had handed out t-shirts, they left a real legacy in that city of uh, that they will surely be invited back. But I mean thirty five thousand people
1: is a massive audience, especially I mean it, it was a great it was a great thing they did. And if Everton well when Everton comes back this summer, it's important to have everything kind of line up. You know you have the supporter contacts, right? You have media. You have sponsorship, but you also have a coaches clinic and youth outreach and a charitable component with Everton in the community. And then you play the game, but leading up to the game for me, a day or two, there's the Everton Roadshow that you know. There's the you know interactive kid elements. There's meet all the players, the Q and A with the guys from the Echo yeah. live podcast. Yeah. But I think that's really really important because that's what the American market demands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know because there's so much other uh, competition for the dollar and the eyeballs. It yeah. Plus you have to drive out and then you tailgate and all those kinds of things that go out go along with a, a, a sporting event in the states. But I think that's what's really important, and you see that with the NFL this weekend in London that they've been here on the ground for six months setting up this weekend, you know, in yeah. the, the NFL fan zone and the yeah. sponsor, you know, you yeah. go throw the football and they got the cars out there. Yeah. So that's something that the, the, I think teams in Europe don't fully appreciate, just the scale of what you have to do yeah. to do it right. And that's because a really
3: special moment where mm-hmm. you're,
1: you're, you know,
3: as much as it's one fan, one ticket, you know, it, on the bottom line, if you can deputize these fans, an American fan who comes here, tweets about his entire experience, buys $200 worth of merch, wears that merch to college where other people see that merchandise, and there's a really, there's an amplification of the value of being good to these people who follow you every weekend, Mm -hmm. but may only actually interact with you once, you know, as a club, maybe just through like a couple transactions on the online website and a couple this Mm -hmm. or that, but those are... That's your guy, <laughs> and but if as as they globalize, that they have to do this everywhere. You know, we met people who do this for like Juventus in China, and uh, you know Juventus is huge in China, and they have fan clubs everywhere because they actually said, you know, hey, we want to get involved, and they sent legends over to, you know, speak and meet these people and deputize them to do something cool. Well,
2: they're not doing it out of the kindness of their own hearts. They know yeah. if they can establish a foothold oh, sure. in China, yeah, you know, it's going to be very lucrative for the
3: organization. Oh, absolutely, and look, the most lucrative market is not China. It's the United States. We sell, you know, our, our kids buy billions of dollars worth of licensed sports gear and our television and contract is now 20 million <laughs> our television contract is now 20 million dollars a year per Premier League team. So investing a little of, a bit of that back into your into your US uh, yeah. business probably makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. for clubs like ever but look Everton was the first mover in all of this. There are very few I mean, we can count on our hands like Bayern Munich and Barcelona and Everton and you know There are a couple other teams who have like one person on the ground in the United States, but they're the only ones who are really, you know, looking at the fans and saying what do the fans in the United States want and servicing them in a in a real way.
2: And being the first is one thing, and it's you know it's something Everton should rightly be uh, applauded for. But that's all well and good. You don't want to be overtaken, Uh, and you know, clubs like Juventus, you just said in China, uh, Premier League clubs, savvy ones like Leicester City are already realizing the the potential in North America, aren't they, and making strides. So. Let's they hope are. Everton continue apace. Well, listen, uh, we'll draw this part of the podcast to a close. Um, I can only thank you so much for coming and being part of it. But we're going to impose on your time a little bit further because we're going to do the second part. Get Phil from his desk and talk about the weekend's game. Okay.